You are now listening to the May 11th broadcast of Unity in Christ. This hour, we have Walking Our Talk, Grace Upon Grace, and it's time to pray the Bible. First, let's begin with Walking Our Talk. Welcome to Walking Our Talk with Alan and Polly Heller. In this podcast series, Alan and I will discuss material adapted from our book, The Marital Mystery Tour. Join us as we share practical steps to put into action God's principles from His Word, one step at a time. So, Polly, what are you wanting to do today? <laughs> well, I don't know, honey. What do you want to do? Yeah, we don't have any idea what our expectations are, but that's what we're talking about today on Walking Our Talk. And the whole idea behind these podcasts and the whole idea of the name Walk Walk and Talk is the name of our ministry. And these podcasts are Walking Our Talk because we want to walk the talk that we uh, that we're talking about. And uh, God says, happy are those who obey me and keep my commandments. And that's our desire. And I'm sure that's yours. That's why you're listening. And so today we're talking about great expectations. One of the, I would say, besides the area of communication, because everybody comes into the counseling office. I, I do counseling on a regular basis, applying scripture to life for people and walk with them in the midst of a crisis in their marriage and then get them to a point where they're depending on the Lord and depending on their body of believers that they work with uh, or that they go to and then go on to the next person. But one of the things besides everyone comes in the door and says, communication's my issue. And it may be the issue, but the real problem normally is our selfishness and our pride. But I also find people coming in, they don't say their expectations are different. But when just even at the beginning of marriage, uh, there's a tendency to think this person is going to meet all the needs that I have. And that's just way too much pressure to put on somebody. God meets all the needs according to our riches, his riches in Christ Jesus. And we can meet some of the needs, but your spouse isn't going to be able, they may complete you, but they're not going to fulfill every single expectation that you have of them. Would you say that's true? Well, definitely. I expected you to be like my dad. Well, that, and my dad. I'm sorry, boy. <laughs> you really expected the wrong thing. But I didn't know I expected that. Yes, I all, noticed that. All I knew was that but that was your model growing up. Right. I mean, you don't have any other. And my model for my what a male was was my dad. Right. And so in in the family that I came from, my parents dealt with tensions between them by joking. They always uh, were laughing because they would sort of rib each other about things that that went wrong, or. Things that my dad did, that if he, I don't know, so, did something that my mother was not happy with, she would make a joke about it. It was the, their pattern of relating to one another. And so I thought that that was the way that you worked stuff out. And 
you didn't <laughs> think <laughs> that. And so I would say things that my dad would have laughed at, but you didn't laugh. It at hurt those me. <laughs> yeah, I'm going, that hurt. And you'd, you'd laugh again and go, that shouldn't hurt you. What are you, little wimp, you? Uh... It, it wasn't even the thought that that shouldn't hurt you, but this is supposed to be funny. You're supposed to laugh now, and that's no, it my hurt. expectation. So when you reacted, and here's the thing when you're hurt, when you are hurt, you become defensive and angry. And so I would say something that I thought would make you laugh, and you would become defensive and angry. And that was like so far out of. Work. And what would you become when I would do that? You would withdraw. Your tendency was to withdraw. Right, right. Or to make another or, sarcastic comment. Or to defend myself. And if I, but if I would defend myself and come back with another comment, then that would cause you to raise the level of your anger. And the next thing I knew, we would be arguing about something that I had just been sort of trying to avoid conflict over by making a joke. So you weren't you weren't behaving the way you were supposed to behave. Right. You, so what did we do about that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for us, it took about 10 years to adjust and learn how to then talk about our expectations. And I tend to be very aware, self-aware and that sort of thing. And Polly's just not even understanding what she's feeling or whether she's withdrawing or whatever. And so you know, I mean, we finally got some communication skills, and that's what we'll be talking about in our next podcast. But this one, we've, we've already talked about commitment. There are no, uh, I mean, comradeship, friendship with one another, and that oneness is the key, and commitment, that there are no back doors in this relationship. And one of the things we have to deal with is what we're talking about right now, expectations. And you, you have to talk about those things. You can't just keep assuming that the other person knows, can read your mind. I mean, when you first fall in love, the tendency is to think how great it is. You can, you can finish my sentence. And now you're telling me, don't finish my sentence. I, you want to answer <laughs> your question or my question? And that turns into a fight. Um, but in Ephesians uh, 4.29, it says that our communications to be edifying for the need of the moment that it might give grace to the one who hears. And when we talk about our expectations, first we have to be aware of them right. and, and be able to be honest with ourselves that, hey, I'm upset. It might be a negative thing or it might be, oh, I thought we were going this way and you're going that way. I mean, the, I'm sure all of you can relate to as a husband, I'm asking her, I'm wanting to serve her. And so what do I do? I come home and we're going to go out to eat. And I say, honey, where would you like to go out to eat? And what does she say? Uh, I don't know. Where would you like to go? And I'm thinking, Polly, I am trying to serve you and and, and ask you, where do you want to go? And then you're asking me the question, where do I want to go? 
I know where I want to go. So I want to go to Red Lobster. And then she says, no, I don't want to go there. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get her expectation and what she would like to do to go out to dinner. And we just go round. We would go round and round on this, you know. Well, now I just give her a binary decision: Do you want to go to Red Lobster? And now, of course, I know her desires more, and so she wants to go to uh, Shogun or you know Japanese or Chinese <laughs> place. Right. Well, here's the thing: uh, we're we're told not to be selfish. You're you're not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. You need That's to think of others more highly than yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, you need to be self-aware. I need to know what's going on in myself so that I can share that. Well, with and my what's husband. funny is that sometimes uh, in the Christian community, we don't think we should have a self. I mean, but the truth is. We all have needs. I mean, we have, we, we have basic physical needs, emotional needs, and spiritual needs. And if we just say, I, I shouldn't have water, I mean, if we just don't drink water, after a while, first of all, we're going to get very thirsty, but we need water to live. And the same thing with you have expectations. You may be holding them back. And, and that's what you did. I mean, the illustration you give it, I think you gave it in the book about um, being captain of the gymnastic team in college, that people thought you should be captain. Oh, no, 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 no. I shouldn't be captain. Right, right. I... And yet you, you wanted to be, and then somebody else got to be captain, and you went, oh, I really did want I this. I really did want it. So yeah, it would have been such a great honor. You held back your expectations, not only in college, in our marriage, for a while, uh, one, I mean, one thing that keeps us from sharing our expectations is we don't feel safe with the person we're sharing them with. The other that we're talking about is we're not self-aware. And the other is uh, we're afraid of the response from somebody. Well, yeah. You know, when you bring up the idea of, a, uh, of going out to eat, for instance, well, what I really want to do is go to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. You know this. So you want to spend fifty or sixty dollars yeah. on a so, meal per person. So if you say to me, "Where do you want to go?" and I say, "Oh, I want to go out for a a hundred dollar meal," well, of course that's I just need to save up realistic. for it. That's all. <laughs> so. Um, I start to so you're edit thinking myself, like, anything, I, and you're you're thinking no holds barred when we say <laughs> yeah. what do you want? You're going to the highest perfected thing. I know, and because I'm not a planner, this goes back to what we talked or about practical. previously. I haven't even researched what are the possibilities. Where what what would be something that would be realistic that would we would both enjoy? Where I'm actually looking at it and giving Alan. Some possibilities. Well, you know, I was looking online and I found this really great place and it's just a couple of miles away. And and, and Well, because it has to be the right place. Oh, yeah. That's another thing. So you're afraid to make a mistake. You might go to somewhere that you really don't like the food, but you you liked it last week, but you don't like it this (laughs) week. She gets very complicated. I do. And that's – and part of this is – that if I'm not aware of what my expectations are, but I expect you 
to be meeting my expectations, then it turns into a big guessing game for you. Well, what does she really want? What can I do without disappointing her? And that's not fair to you. It, in, for our relationship to really work, I need to be aware of what it is that I want, whether it's realistic or unrealistic, I need to at least be willing to admit to the fact that I have these expectations and share them with you and say, well, you know, if it were really up to me, I would, I would like to go to this really great place, but I know that that's not realistic. And so what I really want is to have a really nice time with you, and it doesn't matter to me that much where we go, what's important to me is that we have a good time together. And to be willing to work through all of those possibilities, I know it's complicated, <laughs> but... Well, I just think, you know, there we're talking about just going out to eat and we can't even get the expectation done. Right, So right. how do you deal with the sexual area, the financial area, all these things... So what is helpful, do you think? I mean, and there are different stages of marriage. I mean, we're 43 years into this, and so we have a lot of things that we know what we like and what we don't like. I mean, I know that Polly, one of her expectations is the bed needs to be made in the morning. That gets her day going. And one of the things she likes me to do is to help her or do it without being asked. And so this gets into sort of the love languages of Gary Chapman, you know, who's, uh, you know, sold hundreds of thousands of books because this this uh, area is just so easily, um, you know, you, you get it. So one of the things is we like acts of service. So somebody likes me to actually do things for them. And we tend to love others the way we consider love. So if I have been told all my life that she really should like cards and roses and chocolates, and that's what a woman likes, and I give Polly that, but her love language is really, I would rather you make the bed or watch the kids or call the babysitter. I don't why did you well, why did you waste all this money on this stuff? Yeah. You know, I'm But I she's never refused. She's never refused chocolate. Oh, she loves chocolate. <laughs> don't let her fool you. So, acts of service is the first me. one. <laughs> and then the next is special time together. So, some people just want time. They don't care about gifts. They don't care about you serving them. They just want Eye contact and special time together. But here's the thing. If I'm speaking to you in my love language, and so I'm doing your laundry, and I'm folding your clothes, and I'm making the bed, and I'm putting your things away, I'm doing all of this stuff to serve you, and to me, this is demonstrating love to you, and you're saying, why don't you just sit down and spend some time with me because I really want your company, and I think you're keeping me from loving you. You're keeping me from doing the thing that's expressing love to you, and you're saying, I don't feel loved. You're not spending any time with me. That Those we're missing, We're missing each, each other. Right, exactly. Yes, and we've done that very <laughs> – and we still at times do that. So let me just get through these five. Acts of service, special time together, 
The other is words of affirmation, just praise, and boy, that was a really great meal. Thank you so much for that meal. Um, or you really watch the kids in such a sensitive way today. I appreciate that. Or thanks for calling and getting the babysitter. I know that wasn't easy. I know it's just another thing to do, but for me, that really was helpful. And then physical touch and closeness. This isn't necessarily sexual. It might be hand-holding. It may be just an arm around the waist or whatever. And, um, and then the last one is gifts. Just And it doesn't have to be an expensive gift. It could be just something that's new. And Polly just loves anything that's new. It could be a quarter uh, that you spend on it, but it's a new pencil. And she's like, oh, that's just so wonderful. You know? <laughs> um, she probably likes more than a quarter. But. Okay, so we have the five languages of love. And Gary Chapman has a book called Love Languages. That, five uh, love languages. Yeah, if you haven't read it, it's a great Read, and it will help you in your marriage be able to meet the expectations of the other person. Love, true love, God's love, was he loved the world so much he gave his son in order that we could have life. And loving your spouse means loving them in the way that they need to be loved and sacrificing and mutually submitting to God. And one of the things I ask People in my counseling room, you know, I just, the other day I had a guy in, I just said, have you ever asked your wife, what does she want? <laughs> and he just said, no. And I mean, they've been married for 20 years. So I said, that's your assignment. Go home and just say, what can I do to help show love to you? What encourages you? Because he said, I'm going to, you know, um, I'm going to text her. And I said, do you think she likes texting? And he said, I don't know. And, you know, what he said was she really likes written cards. And I said, well, she's already told you what she likes. Why aren't you writing her a written card? And he just looked at me like I was from another planet. <laughs> I mean, and the thing is that many times men are so focused on the mission or making a living or, you know, their work, when they come home, they expect to be served and just lauded over. And yet your, your job starts, your, the expectation from God is your, your job starts when you get home and you're going to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. So how can I give my life to her rather than how can she serve me? And he came to seek and save the lost, but he came to serve, not to be served. And that's what we need to think in terms of our relationship with each other. What is the way, somebody said, how can you outdo the other one in love? I mean, if that's the way we approached our marriage, rather than what can I get out of it? And that's the way, selfishly, most of us come at marriage. What can I get rather than what can I give? But the truth is, it is better to give than to receive because when you give, you will receive. That, but the goal can't be to receive. Don't you think, Pauline? Oh, definitely, Alan. I, I, I think, too, that we have this, uh, that God puts opposites together. There's that adage that how opposites attract and how um, you really do appreciate words of affirmation. You want to be encouraged verbally. And for me, that perfectionist 
thing comes out where, well, he didn't do it perfectly. Like, yeah, he cleaned up the kitchen, but he didn't wipe off the counters and he left the pots on the stove. So it's really hard for me to say thank you so much for doing this great job for me because it's not perfect. But I have to learn to go ahead and give you those words of praise and thanks because it's what you need, even if it's not perfect. So that takes a lot of learning and loving, and it also takes being filled with the Holy Spirit to help us get what we need from the Lord so we can give it to our spouse. Next time, we'll talk about that thing that everyone says they have problems with, communication. So this is Alan and Polly Heller, and we'll look forward to walking our talk with you next time. This has been Walking Our Talk with Alan and Polly Heller, where we put into action those principles we know from God's Word, one step at a time. You can find more help at our website, walkandtalk.org.
Coming up next is a sermon by Pastor Mark Martin of Calvary Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Today's topic is the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope you have a blessed time with Pastor Mark. I would like for you to look at the Gospel of Mark. Gospel of Mark chapter 1. We want to remind ourselves that John the Baptist was introducing Jesus to the people He was the forerunner of Jesus, and his baptism was a baptism of repentance in water. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he says, there's one coming after me. He says in verse 8, I'm not worthy to even untie his sandals, and he said in verse 8, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the what? Holy Spirit. Now, just see, with who I should have said? The Holy Spirit is a person. Say that. Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. He's not a force. He's not an influence. He is a real person. He's a third person of the Trinity. He is a person, so don't call him it. Oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit, it came into my life. Well, I'm not going to say 
Well, it, it sat on the front row. You know what I'm saying? He's a real person. Now, when we are saved, God gives us two great gifts. This reminds me of a story that I heard about this guy who started a business, started his own firm, and he wanted to look really cool. So he got in a nice office, had a little waiting room. He rented some really nice office furniture. And somebody came in to his uh, little waiting room. So he left the door open. He wanted to sound like a hot shot. So he picked up the phone and there was no one on it, but he wanted to make it sound, you know, give the impression that there was someone on the line and he was making a big deal. So he talked loudly, throwing out huge numbers, talking about big commitments and all. And finally he hung up and he said to the person waiting there, could hear him, said, may I help you? And the guy said, yeah, I've come to hook up your phone lines. You know, the problem that man had is like a problem that a lot of people have now. They live close to the power, but they never get connected. The power of the Holy Spirit is available for us. The Holy Spirit has a threefold work in the believer's life. There are three prepositions that indicate the Holy Spirit's work in our life. The first is that the Holy Spirit is with us, leading us to Jesus. We've heard these stories, haven't we, of people being baptized. Was, they said, yeah, how long was the Holy Spirit? Oh, man, it was a couple of years. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit started the day you're born. Wanting to lead you to Christ. You understand that? That is part of his ministry. And those of you who are saved, it's thanks to the Holy Spirit drawing you to Christ. So the Holy Spirit, before we're saved, is with us, drawing us to Christ. Has everybody agreed with that? That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus talks about that in the Gospel of John. If you just buzz over a couple books to the right to the Gospel of John, you can look on with somebody If you don't have a Bible, if you need help finding it, somebody will help you find John. Just go to the right. Gospel of John, look at chapter 14. Jesus is talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and talking to his disciples, describing what the Holy Spirit would do, is going to do in the future for them. And so in John 14, verse 17, Jesus says he's a spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. In other words, if you're not saved, you're not going to understand the Holy Spirit. If you don't want truth, he is the spirit of truth. Then he says, you know him for he dwells with you, but he will be where? In you. So he says, the work of the Holy Spirit right now is drawing you to me. That's the work of the Holy Spirit with us. But then Jesus says, there's a second work of the Holy Spirit. He shall be where? In you. The moment that you believe, the Holy Spirit comes and he comes in you and indwells, dwells in you. All right? You become his house. That's crazy, isn't it? The Bible says that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your house, the Holy Spirit looks around and he says, oh man, there's some cleaning up to do. There's some things that, you know, these people are hoarders. They've hoarded sin. You know, we got to get rid of this, rid of this. You don't need this anymore. He sets us free. There's this huge goodwill pile or bad will pile, whatever it is, you know, getting rid of this stuff out of your life. And you got to understand that is part of the Holy Spirit's work in your heart. 
work in your life. That's why you wonder, why don't I like some of those old things I used to do anymore? Well, the Holy Spirit's cleaning house. Maybe you're wanting to hang on to some of those things. Not that closet. Don't open that closet. No, no, that's my secret stash. And the Holy Spirit says, give me the key. Look, I'm Lord. I'm master. I own the house now. Okay, but please don't touch that. That's precious to me. And the Holy Spirit begins to clean you up. And a lot of you understand what he's doing. Now, I just want to say a word to those of you who are critics looking at the outside of the house. Will you stop it? Oftentimes, the last thing the Holy Spirit does is remodel the outside of the house. It will happen, but you can't judge what's going on on the inside based on what you see on the outside. Be very clear, though. That doesn't mean that if you're a believer, nothing's going to happen on the outside. It will. It should. But we cannot... Looking on the outside, judge what's going on the inside. We look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the, tell me, the heart. He looks at the heart. So the Holy Spirit is with us, and he is leading us to Jesus. When we are saved, he comes in us, and something very important happens. And if you go to the right a little bit more, and you'll look at Ephesians chapter 1, and you'll look at verse 13. And I want to let you know that we are studying, verse by verse, the book of Ephesians on Wednesday nights. And, you know, right now, I know that some of you are weak because you're not in fellowship enough and you're not getting the word of God enough. And Wednesday nights are where you ought to be. Okay? I'm the pastor. I'm your spiritual dada, you know? So listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. It's hard to stay hot. It's hard to to be that coal that's glowing hot if you're separated from the rest of the fire. So you might need more. It's an hour and a half. Come on. Get built up in the Lord. So in Ephesians chapter 1, look at what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Okay, let's look at, it says, In him, in Jesus, You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, when you believed, when you were saved, he says you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit guarantees, he's a deposit guaranteeing your salvation. Somebody say amen. I have eternal security in Christ. The original idea of sealing, the very original ancient idea of sealing is here's something and you put your circle around it and that means that's mine. God shows you, 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 and he's put his circle around you. You're mine and no one else can have you. The ancient idea of a seal also was, you know, maybe a piece of clay or wax and you press your your impression, your seal on it, and that was a mark of ownership. The ownership of the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. You are eternally secure in Christ. Nothing you can do will cause Christ to disown you. The Bible says you've been born again. How do you get unborn? Please explain that to me. You don't unborn yourself. 
Once you're born again in God's family, you are part of God's family. You may be a brat, and Father in Heaven says he will discipline you, but you're part of the family. My kids, I have three kids, they're always my kids. They might dishonor me, they might live lives that are not pleasing to me, but they're always my kids. They can't get unborn to me and Leslie. You can't get unborn once you're born again. Amen? So the Holy Spirit comes into us. He seals us. He's in me. He'll never leave me. He's cleaning me up. Now, the third work of the Holy Spirit. He's with, he's in, and then Jesus says he will come upon us. Mark said, remember, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Look at Luke chapter 24, verse 49. So you're going to go to the left. Now, this is very, very practical. Okay, with me, in me. But now this is something that is an experience that you can have and you can ask God for that gives you the power to live for Jesus Christ. And Jesus promised it in Luke chapter 24. Look at verse 49. Jesus said to his disciples, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. There's our upon word. Remember I said he's with, he's in, and he's upon. My Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are what? Clothed with what? Power from on high. Say power. Power from on high. What is Jesus promising? What's the promise of the Spirit? Power to come upon us. To live for God. I need power. Have you ever tried to love somebody that's not lovable? Have you tried? Have you ever tried not to be bitter? Have you tried to forgive somebody? Have you tried to be patient? Yeah, we've all tried. And generally, when we're trying, we fail. Amen? But I need power. So I'm not trying to love, I'm loving. I'm not trying to be patient, I'm patient. I'm not trying not to be bitter, I'm not bitter. I need power to do that. I need power. Look at Acts chapter 1. I'll give you directions. Is that okay if I do this right-left thing? It's okay. It helps. So go to the right. As long as it's helping you, it's, I'm happy to do this. So in Acts chapter 1, just before Jesus is going to ascend into heaven after his resurrection, he's talking to his disciples. And again, this... This John the Baptist kind of reminder comes up like, John baptized with water, but I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to see what that looks like. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard it from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So look at verse 8. What's going to happen when that happens? Verse 8. But you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit has come what? Upon you. I'm telling you, he's with us, the Holy Spirit, he's in us, and then there is an experience of having him come upon us. It's not the same thing as being saved. And when he comes upon me, it doesn't save me. It only, only if you're saved, are you qualified, all right? The Holy Spirit comes upon me. Jesus says, you will receive, say it again, power. Now, the Greek word for that is 
dunamis. Say it. Dunamis. Come on. Dunamis. It means we get our English words dynamite, dynamic, dynamo from this. Dunamis. You will receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit comes. What gang? Upon you. And then you're going to receive power to be my witnesses over the entire world. First at home. That can be the hardest, can it? To witness for Jesus in front of your family. Hey, we're cowards when it comes to witnessing apart from the power of Jesus. And then to the whole world. Jesus also gives us the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon us to help us love. And so not, now we're not trying to love. We are loving. We don't need the power in ourselves. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, the hardest thing in the world to do is to live the Christian life in your own strength. It's like the phone's not connected, you know? We're not experiencing, we've got a disconnect here. Jesus wants to baptize us, immerse us in the Holy Spirit. He wants the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Now, let me say, sometimes that happens when a person is saved. They're saved, the Holy Spirit comes in, and then at that same time, the Holy Spirit comes upon them at the same time. In the book of Acts, that happens sometimes. For others, and I'm going to say most of us, it is an experience subsequent to our salvation. For many of us, we ask for it. The Lord says, of course, I came to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So what did it look like? Jesus says, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He's going to come upon you not many days from now. So we look at Acts chapter 2, and we look at the first verse. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they, this is the disciples, were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And in this case, began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Again, in Acts chapter 8, 14, the same thing happens. The Holy Spirit comes upon believers. And in their case, again, they spoke in tongues. Will you please leave the speaking in tongues over here for another discussion? Will you do that and not get afraid of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because in the New Testament, sometimes when the Spirit comes upon a believer, he speaks or she speaks in tongues. Other times, it doesn't involve speaking in tongues. So let's just leave speaking in tongues. Let's just keep it separate for right now. Can you do that? Can you also keep the caricature of that? We're just talking about a biblical experience where I need power and Jesus says, you sure do. And I'm asking it and I say, will your spirit please come upon me, Lord? And Jesus says, yes. What do you need to do? You need to clean your life. You need to say, Lord, this needs to come out of my life. Please wash me of my sins. I repent of my sins. I see things your way, God. I agree with you. And Lord, I'm feeling this way. I hate this person. I'm bitter toward this person. I'm angry. I can't stop sinning this sin. You just pour it out before the Lord, and then you say, God, I need what Jesus has promised. I need him to immerse me, baptize me with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's power comes upon me. It's a real 
real thing. Don't worry about speaking in tongues. Hey, it might happen, but it won't be weird because it's a God thing, right? God will never do anything weird to you. You agree? God isn't into weirdness. The Holy Spirit isn't into being weird, all right? But you need power. And by the way, what I'm teaching you is not a charismatic thing. You know who taught this and who I learned this from? was from the writings of D.L. Moody. You know Moody Bible Institute, right? He taught there's three works of the Holy Spirit, with us, in us, and upon us. R.A. Torrey, who's linked to Biola University, another, not a charismatic thing, taught the same thing. So I'm not leading you this way. I'm just showing you biblically that if you need power, there is power available for you to live the Christian life, to pray more, to have your prayers be more effective, Okay, this is what I'm going to share with you just in the last couple of minutes here. There was a time in my life where I was failing. I was failing in ministry. I would teach. It seems like things would go straight down the floor. People's lives weren't being changed. Not that it's up to me, but they just wasn't anointed. I was angry at someone. There was bitterness in my heart. I guess I'm kind of describing my own experience when I mention those things, but There were these two ladies that would come up to me at the end of the service, little ladies. Pastor Mark, we're praying that you'll get the baptism. We're praying the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And it just, it freaked me out initially. It was like, and then I got annoyed. It's like, well, go pray for someone who needs it, you know. That was kind of, you know, arrogant. But I was a little afraid because the way I grew up was talking about the Holy Spirit never happened. And if you talk about what I've just said, They thought that was demonic, you know. Speaking in tongues was demonic. Raising your hands was like lifting antennas to Satan. You know what I'm saying? I was like, really dangerous. Don't do that. You never know what it's like. Lightning rods. And so I, I did a study, and I came to understand these three things that I'm sharing with you. And then I even did a study on speaking in tongues, and I realized, well, it's not for everybody. The New Testament clearly teaches it's not for everyone. But it is real, all right? And it really is a thing that helps you in prayer, builds you up, and but not for everyone. I always told God, that's not for me, God. It's not for everyone, and I'm one of those everyones. It's not for. So, okay, but in my failure and in my need, I went to the construction site behind our house where they were building some track homes, and they had trenches where they were going to pour the footers. They were about, I'm going to say, two and a half, three feet deep. And I knelt down in that trench, and I just poured all this junk out to the Lord. Some of what I've told you, I haven't told you everything. I just poured it all out. God, I can't do this. God, I hate this person. God, I'd like to send them to hell right now. How about it? The Lord didn't answer. Lord, I don't have victory over my life. I cried over that. Lord, my messages stink. You know, I just... God, I'm quit. I quit. I quit. But then the Lord stirred me up like, hey, there's hope. If I could cure the common cold, (laughs) it was funny, I can help you. And then a verse popped into my mind, Luke 11, 13. Try not to forget that. Luke 11, 13. Say it, Luke 11, 13, where Jesus said, I don't know. I memorized this when I was a kid. If you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. In other words, Good dads, 
They want to give good things to their kids, right? I mean, I love it. And grandkids. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So the Lord just put my heart, you just need to ask. Ask me. And so this became now a faith thing. And say, okay, Lord, I need power. I'm asking. And then how do you show faith? Well, I started thanking God. Even though I didn't experience it yet, I started thanking him. Hey, that's the way you show faith. That's the way you believe God, right? And so I began to say, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I believe, Lord. Thank you. Praise you. And I wished I knew a second language. You know, I, I wish I knew Spanish, by the way. You know, I took a year of Latin, four of German, and two of Greek, and I'm in the Southwest. Come on. Something went wrong there. But I ran out of English words to praise the Lord. So I thought, you know what? I'm being tempted to speak in tongues. Isn't that funny? That's the way I thought. Tempted. And at that point, I was so out of words, but there was so much more in me to thank and praise God. I began, it seemed like I was making up words. Nothing took over my mouth. Nothing. But I remembered somebody said, what is language but the belief that this sound equals that over there, right? Have you ever heard some really weird sounding languages, anybody? You say, how can anybody understand that? Well, it's the agreement that that strange sound means that over there, right? And you know what happened is I'm confessing. I did speak in tongues. I began praying in the spirit. And I'm thinking, what is going on? My mind is saying, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. But my spirit was like, yes, I'm praising God. And I lifted my hands even. I was like, what is going on? And you know, it's not the tongues for me. It wasn't speaking in tongues. It would have been a blessed thing with, apart from that. But you know what happened was, at that moment, the Holy Spirit came upon me. And my life has been changed ever since. I went home to tell Leslie what had happened because I was, this was at night and I was away for a while. I said, honey, she was in bed. I said, honey, honey, I got to tell you something. And please don't be angry and please don't think less of me. And, and I know you, you might not understand. And she's like, who did, you know, who is she? You know, it's like, <laughs> and I said, no, 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 no. I said, this is what happened. And I, and I, and she said, weird, this is so weird, you know? But then a few weeks later, she had the same experience and the Holy Spirit came upon her. And she had this very same experience. Nobody coaching her. It was just the Lord asking for a spirit to come upon her. I know that you need the power of the Holy Spirit. For many of you, this is like, what? I never even knew this could be. And I want you to pray for this promise of Jesus. The promise of the Holy Spirit, he says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, with power. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. He was with you. He is in you. And now Jesus wants him to come upon you for power. And you know you need that. So prepare your heart and then ask him sincerely and thank him. Leave the speaking in tongues thing to one side. Hey, it might happen. Don't get freaked out. It might Whatever. We want what God wants for us. We need power. Hello? We need power. I'd like for us to stand up, and I just want us 
to ask the Lord that he would put power in our lives. And what I want you to do this week is I want you to, if you're serious, I want you to spend some time all by yourself, not around other people, kind of do the kneeling in the trench thing like I did and just ask the Lord in faith. And I know the Lord will meet you there. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you hear us. We thank you that you have saved us and you want to imbue us with power. You want to give us supernatural strength. You want us to have victory in our lives. And we understand that that comes from the Holy Spirit coming upon us. I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would have this special experience, this personal experience with you and the Holy Spirit whom you give. You said, if we being evil know how to give good gifts unto our children, how much more will our Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? We believe that promise. We claim the promise in Jesus' name. I'm asking for transformation, Lord, because I know that we're praying according to your will. Thank you. We ask these through your name, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Praise is rising, eyes are turning to you. We turn to you, hope is stirring, hearts are yearning for you, we long for you, cause when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away, washed away. Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises. Washed away, washed away. 
Ministries is now starting a new Japanese program and is able to spread the gospel in Japanese. If you know anyone that is fluent in Japanese, please let them know of this program. We hope that they will be able to hear the gospel of Jesus through our CDs. If you are interested, please contact us at our office. Our office number is 602-866-8999. And our email address is heartandsoul.org at gmail.com. Thank you. Coming up next is It's Time to Pray the Bible. Hello, my name is Deborah Joy. I'm the host of this program. It's time to pray the Bible. Today, I like to start with Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, which says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Strong's definition of the Hebrew word for fear is il-ah, which means awesome, extremely, fearing, exceedingly, and reverence of God. It also implies submission, awe, and worship. This Hebrew word is used in Proverbs 14 times. From this context, we can learn that wisdom comes when we're consumed with awe and reverence as we worship God in our lives. So then, how do we live in His wisdom? James chapter 3, verse 13 says, who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. The first scripture reading is from Proverbs chapter 8, verses 12, 13, and 17 through 20. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance, and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. I love those who love me, 
and those who diligently seek me will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even pure gold, and my yield better than choicest silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the path of justice. The second scripture reading is from James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray His wisdom together. Lord, we worship You, the Eternal One, the One True God. Your heart desires to instruct us how to live righteously in Your wisdom. Fill us with Your grace so we can live as godly examples in the beauty of Your divine revelation. Father, forgive our bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, arrogance, and pride in our hearts, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness by your precious blood. Lord, fill us with your wisdom, for we desire to live as wise children of God who know your heartbeat and understand your perfect ways. Your heavenly wisdom is always pure, filled with peace, considerate, and teachable. It is filled with love, mercy, and good fruits. Your wisdom never displays prejudice or hypocrisy in any form, but always bears the beautiful harvest of righteousness. Lord, give us discernment for the purpose of each season we're in and train our hearts to listen and accept your living truth flowing from the fountain of eternal life so we can walk in integrity, purity, and fearless confidence in life of your righteousness. Lord, true enrichment comes from your blessing and a joyful feast of gladness. Your revelation knowledge will rescue the righteous and the blessing of your favor will rest upon them. Father, please show us what is pleasing to your heart. We pursue purity and hunger after your wisdom and truth. Your teachings of wisdom make us joyful and radiate your light. 
They challenge us to keep close to your heart. When we live a life of extravagant love, surrender before the awe of God, we will experience abundant life, continual protection, and complete satisfaction. Father, teach us how to guard our words and share your wisdom with others. Guide us to speak life-giving and timely words, for they release sweetness to other souls and inner healing to their spirits. Lord, train us as wise people who build families and communities through your insight. Raise up skilled leaders with spiritual discernment in your church. So the hearts of your people can be filled with the treasures of heavenly wisdom and spiritual wealth. Your wisdom can make anyone into a mighty warrior who will ascend into the high place and bring down the strongholds of the enemy. You are the Lord of hosts and the commander of all the armies of heaven. You have established your throne in the heavens. Your sovereignty rules over all. Your mighty name is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and find refuge. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Still.
We are now ending our Unity in Christ broadcast. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to being with you again next week.